Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing and Ash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering six conversations from episode 42, our review of last week's SLD Summit, plus from the vault, a conversation from what was called the NAFLD Summit back in 2022. This conversation starts with Thomas Hoxstrom discussing a couple of very exciting projects his lab at the Karolinska Institute is working on now. From here, I ask Thomas and Jörn Schottenberg to discuss why the energy in this year's meeting, the first SLD Summit, felt higher to them than last year's meeting titled NAFLD Summit. Jörn comments that the the broader aperture afforded by the new nomenclature led to talks on a wider variety of subjects than in previous years. Honest notes three specific areas of focus. First, alcohol. Second, challenges of biopsy. And third, the transition from ordinal variables, or what Honest describes as the human tendency to categorize everything, toward using more of a continuous spectrum to characterize mesh and fibrosis. Your notes how important this redefinition of variables is in terms of reducing analytical error, which has been a major challenge in research. The next couple of minutes are devoted to a conversation on how to consider MET-ALD in the context of alcoholic and non-alcoholic liver disease. And as the conversation winds down, Jorn discusses a session at which he spoke on Sunday, a look at new mechanisms of action titled Beyond the Usual Suspects. The SLD Summit 2023 revealed some of the new energy and areas for research brought about by the nomenclature change and presented existing new concepts for basic science and drug development, all of which promises a very exciting future for liver researchers. These interviews with Sven Franke and Hannes Hoxstrom capture some of the excitement and novel concepts that are just uh, sit back, listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. So, uh, folks were so positive about what we did last week, putting three individual interviews with Jorn and Louise and me together, that we're going to do an abbreviated version of that this week. If you recall, last year, we did our session right after the end of the what was then called the NAFLD Summit, and we had Hannes Hochstrom and Sven Franke and Ian Rowe with us. Ian was not at the meeting this year because it conflicted with the BASL, but uh, today we have Hannes, and tomorrow we'll have Sven, and we will put those two things together. Let me also note for everybody that uh, you're going to want to listen to the business report because it's got some important stuff about the future of the podcast. In it, maybe including some teasers on the name change to be determined. So, uh, Jorn, you say you came back with sniffles, huh? Jorn Schattenberg. Uh, I don't know. I would say I came back full of energy, um, thinking about um, SLD. So, I have to say, Easel Summit was a little faster than this podcast, uh, you know, new name to the conference. And I think I felt it throughout the entire program that this is really innovation moving forward. So, lots of energy coming back. And uh, congrats to uh, Sven Franke, Sophie Lotterchian, and Jeff Lazarus, who were the uh, course organizers. I felt it was a big success there. Yeah, I agree. And redeeming the thing that I personally found most compelling about the nomenclature change was the idea of a meta-ALD session, one of which there actually was. I think that was, uh, when you talk about stepping in quickly, Jorn, it's not just the name change, it's, it's then just getting the focus aligned as well. I thought they did a great job at that. Completely agree. Hannes, how are you this evening? Hannes Hockstrom. I'm great, Roger, and uh, happy to be here again. Welcome back. Hannes is fine. He has a slightly ill family member, uh, sniffles or something like that. So uh, I may be the only one where the household where everyone's healthy. I haven't checked with Louise yet. Louise, how are you this evening? Louise Campbell. I'm very healthy, thank you very much. No sniffles, no grumbles that I can complain of. So I'm good. And I'm back in the UK, as you know. And Louise and I were texting throughout the day on Sunday because um, in the Premier League, the two um, marquee matchups of the day on Sunday were hers and mine. And Liverpool disposed of West Ham pretty handily. Tottenham went into Emirates Stadium and got a draw with Arsenal, which uh, is a stadium we've not won in in 30 years and have only drawn five or six times in the interim. So I think we were all happy, huh, Louise? Yep. Robert Mitchell Thane won't be happy, but... uh... No, he won't. And Jorn, the English captain, got his first uh, three-goal game at Bayern Munich. Is that right? It's great to to have always a soccer update here with you guys. 
So uh, I guess I missed that part. Harry Kane will be one of our own for as long as he plays, even if he, unless he comes back to the Premier League for somebody else. So uh, I will follow him and keep you updated. With that, why don't we uh, dive right in? We're anticipating 30 or 40 minutes for this conversation and uh, probably similar length for Sven's. And that will be our episode. Uh, Hannes, let me start with you. Since we've last seen you several months ago, what are the most exciting project or two projects that you've been working on recently? You know, I can only do two. Well, so we, we have a lot, actually a lot of stuff coming up uh, this fall. Hopefully that will be published. Well, I can mention one thing we presented at uh, the SLD Summit, which is something called a target trial. It's a pretty new way to use observational data to emulate a uh, RCT. So it's been shown to perform considerably better when you benchmark the results from observational studies to that of, of sort of pure RCTs. And that has to do with a statistical methodology that's been used in this design. And so we did this for obviously then an interesting topic in hepatology, which is GLP-1 agonists and progression of chronic liver disease. That was presented at the SLD Summit. And I don't know. Yeah, that, that's something quite interesting, I think. Okay. And then outside of work, what are you looking forward to the rest of the year? Uh, so I actually mostly looking forward to some snow and to go skiing, but probably that will be start of next year and, and uh, not this year. Okay. That'll work. So with that, why don't we just go to Groundbreakers? Okay. One good thing has happened in the past week, and then I'm going to ask Louise and Jorn and myself to do the one thing I'm looking forward to. We're looking forward to the rest of the year as well. Brave one, go first. I can start then. So I just came back today from, we had um, sort of a a small competition in, in Stockholm in the region where uh, sort of projects that were deemed to be innovative by the, the city council were awarded or had a competition and we we were the second place in the implementation sort of price for a study we, we have just finished where we have done fiber scan in type 2 diabetics in the retina uh, scanning facility so instead of sending out the fiber scan to all primary care centers we put one in the retina a scanning facility where all the type 2 diabetics are referred with regular intervals anyway. Uh, so I was a little, we, we got second prize, but I was a little bit, of course, sad we didn't get the first prize. To, but the first prize was some persons who had done a study in, in sick kids and they always win. Well, yeah, sick kids are, are a great currency for that kind of thing. So next year, you've got to figure out how to do studying sick kids with or, or adolescent or pediatric SLD. Now we have to transition. He can base the fiber scan in a dental surgery Ooh. because where do children go with bad teeth? And why do they have bad teeth? And you will nail it, Hannes. You'll nail it. There, there was actually another study that, that looked at sort of screening for type 2 diabetes in dental clinics. So why don't we piggyback on that and do, do a liver scanning as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Louise, when it's 7 o'clock in the evening where Louise is as compared to somewhere past dark 30, she gets all kinds of energy. That was fantastic. Very, very good. Who wants to go next? Oh, I'll jump in next. I was interviewed for something called Woman of the Week last week, which we are putting out on the 4th of October for October's is for liver month because it's all about liver health but um, it's a philanthropic uh, sort of LinkedIn magazine about motivating women and, and women in leadership and women in their careers I don't know how they picked me but they did so I think they preceded it down to 500 words so that'll be an interesting release and it was quite fun to do so that'll be my um, positive or my highlight of the week that's fantastic it's, congratulations you've been on such a roll this month you've been doing, really doing great things rest of the year it was funny the last one the last question is who would I nominate as for woman of the week and I did have a, a, a few thoughts but I nominated Donna Cryer ah. obviously for all of the things that she does whether or not she chooses to be interviewed I don't know but 
best for a, a motivational woman um, then. So did so, a number, but I went for Donna. That's great. Did you get this because somebody nominated you or just do you know how they came to you? They came to me for that. So I think it was Maggie Philbin was done last week. So it, it's usually influential women. Okay. So I, again, I don't know why they came to me. We think you're powerfully influential. So that's a good thing. Yorn, go ahead. Yeah, well, fascinating Sunday. Family history again. My eight-year-old is playing a round of tennis. So over the summer, they played eight teams and, and, and won all matches. So they were priced with a the tennis, let's say, a cup in that age group. And we had a little celebration barbecue with all the kids. So clear highlight for me after returning from SLE Summit. I guess my highlight this past weekend was we went to a friend's surprise 70th birthday party, which is why I was playing catch up on the, on the summit. In fact, it was really kind of an interesting thing. He had three generations of family members and friends and there was threatened stormy weather where we were, but the storm wasn't bad. I got to do something I'd never done in my life called candle pin bowling, which is only known in New England, but it was a good time. And now I'm back here which is a good thing. We're all back here. So with that, why don't we dive in? Jorn, you alluded to this briefly, but I'd love for you to elaborate and honest as well. How did the meeting feel? And specifically, did it feel different than the NAFL Summit did last year, besides the fact that Dublin and Prague are very different cities? Uh, I'm going to start and see what Hannes thinks. Um, for me, the meeting was under the impression of the name change. And there was, uh, of course, a nomenclature um, debate and an, and, and an opening. Um, it wasn't a debate. It was, where are we today? And steatotic liver disease, uh, the problem to solve. So at many levels, uh, there was steatotic liver disease at the center of this discussion. Alexander Kroc came up to discuss alcohol and met ALD in one uh, discussion. So to me, it felt very uh, prominent. We're not leaving Maslow but there is a clear tendency to, from the academic side, uh, wanting to address that population that might have different outcomes. Now, if you're on the drug developmenter side, maybe I heard some struggling. How do we place that? Um, how about the regulatory context of this? Can a drug be approved in such a population? How are they different? And so I think there's a lot of things to be sorted out in the future, also with the regulators. But this is something where academics, of course, uh, come in and define the courts and, uh, you know, work like Hannes has access to those large longitudinal databases showing differences in mortality. And my expectations would be that there is uh, incremental damage to the liver through the different meta-ALD categories as good as we can define them today. So it'll be interesting to see that moving on. And the one talk I specifically want to highlight is, of course, a very state forward thinking, state of the art, MASH cirrhosis talk given by Arun, but we can talk about that uh, down the road, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a lot of energy during the meeting and these sort of uh, smaller meetings are always maybe better for that to really get the discussion going. There were three things I think are sort of discussed now, these later meetings with a more sort of uh, open mind that, that maybe was then was done before and that is, yeah, as you alluded to, Jörn, you know, the, the, the relationship with alcohol. It's really the sort of elephant in the room and we have sort of um, just closed our, our eyes and ears to it previously but now we are starting to acknowledge that, well, it's, it can be a problem for some and you need to consider it when you do both observational research and do clinical trials because it's such a strong cofactor. And now we have biomarkers that makes it very simple to ex at least exclude those with high current consumption that we might have a difficulty to do otherwise. The second thing I thought we sort of discussed a bit more open is, is the, of course, the which we have also done before, but the, the problems with biopsy, it's more of a silver standard and that the 
then the non-invasive biomarkers that we have, it's difficult to know that aren't they really better than the biopsy. They referred a lot to uh, Vlad Ratzio's previous study where, where he, he found that if you do two biopsies at the same time in the same patient, also fibrosis um, can be, be quite different in different parts of the liver. And then the third thing I reflected on was um, the uh, we are sort of coming out of this categorization of everything. We, we as humans love to categorize everything, you know, yes or no, or one, two, three. But now we are discussing more openly that, well, it's actually a spectrum that we are measuring. And that goes for both biomarkers, for how we classify NASH and how we classify fibrosis. So I, th- I think we, we are uh, on a good path. Let me just add on. I think that's a, that's a crucial comment that Hannes here made because, you know, the disease is a continuum uh, and we felt that on, in various discussions. But to draw a line and talk about black or white, primary endpoint achieved, yes or no, you got to go binary. And whenever you draw a line, you enter uh, margin of error. And we've been fighting around the margin of error for some time now. And I think we've become very good at reducing it, but it's not going to go away as long as you're still binary uh, in a continuous disease. Well, you know what, Jorn, that's kind of interesting because one of the problems with the biopsy scoring is it's nominal, right? Which isn't a lot better than ordinal. Well, actually, same thing as ordinal in that regard. So if you wind up making MET-ALD a third nominal category, have you made the problem better or do you need to, or do we need to go further to actually get the spectral nature of the disease captured? Uh, so this is, of course, tricky. And even if we got a biomarker that is continuous, such as PET or retinal nucleoride or whatever, then uh, you always have some degree of measurement error and you can't really measure anyway what happened two years ago. So we still have to do medical you know, decision-making and that's really the problem. Even if you know that something is on a continuous scale, as you said, you still need to sometimes make a decision. Do you treat or do you not treat? And um, uh, maybe a fourth reflection I was taking away from this meeting is that we start to talk a little bit about risk now. That we as hepatologists have maybe wanted to classify everything as uh, yes or no and uh, we want to find everybody and want to treat everybody. But sometimes, and that has may, maybe Ian done a lot of work with, maybe we need to, in this very, very common disease, go towards a risk estimation that this patient is, has a certain risk for developing liver-related outcomes within a specific time and that is enough for us to treat. But you know, where the threshold is going to go, that will also depend probably on what drug can we offer the patients, what are the side effects, and so on. Interesting. So, Hannes, it would seem to me that the kind of databases that you develop and work with would be set up really well to help solve that kind of problem, yeah? Yeah. I mean, hopefully what, what, what um, our strengths are is the, the longitudinal follow-up, of course. So we can probably quite easily do phase four trials when, when we get drugs on the market to see what happens to the patients that are exposed to these drugs. But uh, Sweden is, is a small country, so maybe it's not the best country to do big uh, trials in. We have a sort of not as high prevalence of obesity and so on, but we do have this capacity to follow everybody for as long as you live. <laughs> that, that's a great point. And uh, coming back to the one of the presentations you gave, the target uh, trial stimulation, my understanding is that you can, uh, by increasing the number, uh, stimulating real world, basing on real world data, you can uh, predict outcomes or you can you know, come up with response rates that otherwise might not be available at that treatment number. And I think that's, uh, that's one way to augment clinical development. And I think we'll see more use of that. So very forward thinking. Any comments? So is your database organized in such a way that with that kind of thing like Target, that MedALD becomes something that you can attack a little bit earlier than other people because you can go back? I mean, does your, does your data allow for that? So when we work with our main registers, we do have access to these codes that we as doctors make when we see patients. So we can, of course, you know, identify patients that have both coding for muscle and for alcohol-related liver disease. And that was actually a poster we presented at this meeting. So around 18% of patients with that have a NAFLD code, which is, is the current way we code, at some point in their life, they're also given a code representative of a high 
high alcohol consumption. And those patients that do so, they have a much higher progression to cirrhosis, three to five fold higher than those with sort of pure muscle. But if that really corresponds to met ALD or if it corresponds to wrongly classified ALD, that's of course a bit less possible to know. The benefit with our large scale data is, is that you get very high coverage, so very little selection bias, but you lose the granularity because you don't have access to patient charts. And there's always the risk that some doctor have, have made the wrong diagnosis, of course. Excellent. It does seem like a head start and certainly an area that's going to be important. Jorn, you want to tell us a little bit about mitochondrial uncoupling? Oh, yeah. Though. So that was the last day, the last session. And it had an interesting title. It said something like Beyond the Usual Suspect. That's what it's called. It was uh, chaired by uh, Manolis Trichatsis and uh, Frank Taka. And it had five talks in there, I believe. Phil Newsom was talking on th- cell therapy. Interesting recap. Some of the mito- uh, mesenchymal cell transplant experiments that didn't really show full success. However, he alluded a little further in his own data on transplantation of monocytic cells. So I felt that was uh, interesting. And the way he positioned it, there's some promise in there. Uh, I think we can be on the lookout. There was a session on ammonia. Uh, Debbie Shawcross, she's the incoming ESL president. And it was interesting because she said in the non-serotic patients, we do see some mental impairment based on ammonia levels. And that's, of course, pathophysiologically something as a hepatologist that we understand. The interesting question is, why do they develop that? And why isn't the liver clearing that if it's non-serotic? It gave some food for thought. Um, so I think this is more at an academic level. That was me talking about the mitochondrial uncoupling. And I, I revisited the concept of mitochondrial uncoupling that's uh, even today being uh, used illegally, if you'd like uh, to say so, as a food supplement to lose weight, and uh, particularly lose fat, because what it does is it leads to inefficient ATP synthesis. As such, you generate energy or heat instead of ATP, and you can increase your energy expenditure. Uh, in the context that it was used in the clinical trial, it was a specifically designed uh, molecule where you avoid peak levels and rapid absorption and as such avoiding unwanted side effects like pyrexia. And here at ASLD 2022, Mazin and presented the phase 2A data from a trial where they showed very effective on fattening within 60 days. You know, my conclusion was that you have to be, of course, careful if there's a side effect of the substance historically. It wasn't seen at this time and it could be something that for a limited time moving forward uh, seemed very safe and very effective in defattening the liver. So the phase 2B is ongoing and uh, we'll see what that leads us. Yeah, and just to finish off the session, I think uh, Luca Valenti um, talking about gene targeting, very exciting area also. Between cell therapies, ammonia, mitochondrial uncoupling, and genes, we're going to see some of those suspects uh, emerging in the future as therapeutic, uh, more robust therapeutic uh, interventions. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with our first round of individual interviews, and we'll announce our subjects and topics early in the week. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.